what racial restrictive convents were an agreement entered into by a group of property owners, subdivision developers, or real estate operators in a given neighborhood, binding them not to sell, lease, rent their property to specific groups because of race, creed, or color for a definite period unless all agreed to the transaction. When a restrictive convent existed on a property, deed, or plat map, the owner was legally prohibited from selling to members of the specific minority group or groups listed in the convent. If an owner violated the restriction, they would be used and held financially liable. Because of this legal obligation, racial restrictions were rarely contested, which is the key reason why they were so effective. In addition, the use of racial restrictive convents removed the need for zoning ordinances. In that way, they served to segregate cities without any blame being placed on municipal leaders. The popular use of the racial restrictive convents emerged in 1917, when the U.S. Supreme Court deemed city segregation ordinances illegal. In 1866 is when it all started. The Civil Rights Act grants full citizenship rights to all males born in the U.S., regardless of race, and guarantees all U.S. citizens the right to inherit, purchase, lease, sell, hold, or convey real and personal property. 1962, President John F. Kennedy issues prohibiting discrimination against race, color, religion, or national origin in federally owned, operated, or assisted housing. 1964. Congress enacts the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The act prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, or national origin in programs and activities receiving federal financial assistance. This includes any housing receiving federal funding in 1966 and 1967. The Congress considers legislation to prohibit the discrimination in private housing transactions but fails to pass fair housing legislation. In 1968, Senators Walter Mondale and Edward Brooke, then the only African members of the Senate, submit the Fair Housing Act of 1968 for exclusion as an amendment within the Civil Rights Act of 1968, a larger civil rights bill to protect civil rights workers. In February of 1968, the National Advisory Commission on the Civil Disorders releases its landmark report, commonly known as the Kerner Commission Report. Senate Brooke and the other members of the 11-person commission conclude residential segregation of African Americans along with other Economic and social inequalities contributed to the urban disorders or riots of 1967. In April 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated. Riots erupt in cities around the country, including Washington, D.C. President Lyndon B. Johnson calls for a passage of the Fair Housing legislation as a way to honor King's memory. April 11, 1968, President Johnson signs the Civil Rights Act of 1968 into law. The act, commonly known as the Fair Housing Act, prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, or 
national origin in the scale, rental, or financing house. May of 1968. The Truth in Lending Act of the Consumer Credit Prohibition Act becomes law. The act requires lenders, including the mortgage industry, to disclose terms and cost of loans so that consumers can make informed choices about credit. In 1971, Congressional Black Caucus established most African members of the United States Congress. In 1973, Congress enacts Section of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 to prohibit discrimination based on disability in any program receiving federal financial assistance. 1974. Through the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, Congress prohibits creditors from discrimination against any applicant on the basis of sex or marital status. The act was amended in 1976 to include the prohibition of discrimination based on race, color, national origin, age, source of income, or because the applicant has in good faith exercised any right under the Consumer Credit Protection Act. In 1974, Housing and Community Development Act of 1974 becomes law. Through section of the Congress makes it illegal to discriminate on the basis on sex and housing. Other sections of the act expand the definition of discriminatory housing practices to include interference and intimidation. Additionally, the act establishes a requirement that communities receiving community block grant affirmatively further fair housing. How the events of the Fair Housing Act and the restrictive convents is related to the Raisin in the Sun is because it showed how in the welcoming committee in the movie didn't want the youngers moving into the white neighborhood and told them it wasn't a good idea because other white people did not want their neighborhoods getting ruined by African Americans. This is how the restrictive movement or restrictive convent was in play for this movie. I am the Contemporary Connector, and I have discovered the film Incredibles 2 that addresses issues of gender prejudice. I watched the film through the feminist literature theory, focusing on the couple in the film, Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible. So, how is the relationship between men and women portrayed in this film? The relationship between Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible is questionable, given they are obviously married and love each other, but sometimes encounters may seem a bit tense. We know Mr. Incredible is usually seen as the head figure of the household, but in the film, his wife Elastigirl takes this role. This makes Mr. Incredible quite frustrated. In the middle of the film, when his wife calls him on the phone, ecstatic about completing her latest mission, he basically ignores her. His face gives it all away, even though his response makes him sound like he kind of cares. This portrays the male figure as self-centered and jealous of his own wife's accomplishments, which isn't the most admirable characteristic. He needs his wife to be lesser of him to feel good, which is the idea that the film is getting at. For example, gender issues are prevalent today with 
pay inequalities and different opportunities, which is similar to how Mr. Incredible potentially thinks since he is dumbfounded when they want Elastigirl in place of him. Overall, the relationship between the man and the woman in this movie show the ongoing competition and the possibility of women overcoming the perception of what society thinks we should be. Another common question, what constitutes masculinity and femininity? As the norm of society, we always think of men as the head of the household, like I said earlier, doing all the work and quote-unquote running the world, and women is just the one to stay at home and take care of the kids. In Incredibles 2, we begin to drift away from this concept. At the beginning of the film, the whole family is in trouble because they keep trying to save the city's people from cr criminals when they're not supposed to. Makes so much sense, right? Since they aren't allowed to go out and use their powers for good, the family must start some other type of work to survive. So Elastigirl offers to work, but Mr. Incredible wasn't too fond of the idea. He wants to do the work like the man should, as people think. Luckily, there is an outside company that wants to make superheroes legal again and decides that Elastigirl was the better option to go out and fight crimes to give superheroes a better image, considering her fighting gave less destruction. This is kind of out of the ordinary because usually the man would be the one doing all the work, so Mr. Incredible feels a bit defeated when they say they don't want him to be doing the job. On the other hand, in The Raisin in the Sun, Walter wants to be the head of the family so badly because that's how he thinks it should be. I mean, he is a grown man with a family still living in his mother's house, so it makes sense he wants to have his own life and make his own decisions, even though this isn't the case. Mama realizes that, so that's part of the reason she gives him the money, I think. Uh, it seems... Mama caves in since she feels bad he can't be the head of his own household. However, Mama is still head of the family, so she's going against what constitutes as femininity since she is actually the one making decisions and basically running the family, like usually the man of the house does. Do any characters take on traits from the opposite genders? How so? In the film Incredibles 2, we see Elastigirl taking on the role of breadwinner of the family because she is going out fighting crimes at her new job while Mr. Incredible is home taking care of the kids like she usually does. Elastigirl has to be motivated and hardworking for this new job and obviously is doing it for the sake of the family and superheroes, which Mr. Incredible would love to do, but can't. Mr. Incredible isn't thrilled with this, but they almost switch roles, since Mr. Incredible in the previous movie was always the one working, and now he has to be the stay-at-home dad. Mr. Incredible has to take on traits like being nurturing since they have a baby at home, and multitasking with Dash's homework, Violet's boy problems, and Jack-Jack with his crazy new powers. All of this just frustrates him even more trying to do all of his wife's duties, along with not being able to do what he loves. I mean, she's out there living the dream, fighting all the crime, and he's just at home. I think 
the phone call that Elastigirl gave Mr. Incredible was a little bit of a push to make him do better at what he was doing now. So since he decides to figure out Dash's homework and gets them all ready for school fairly better than in the previous few days, this film overall really highlights the job of women in the house and how it really isn't as easy as men make it out to be. The majority of Americans believe that the U.S. is a post-racial society where everyone has the same opportunities to get ahead. Though the evidence in support of this notion is extremely weak, it remains the dominant racial narrative in the U.S. Based on A Raisin in the Sun, we can understand that this is actually inaccurate from a long time ago. Um, Although it has changed drastically over the years, a lot of the people that we see in A Raisin in the Sun did have to go through a lot of the hard times um, just because of the color of their skin and because of their race and the way that they were treated. To begin with Benita, um, we see that she finds out that she has African heritage and she loves to express that. She does so by connecting with other people of the same heritage and using them to figure out more about her lifestyle and what it would be like if she did live in Africa or in somewhere near Africa. Another example of this is prominently shown um, also with Benita when she is struggling very hard to get into college um, as well as just doing so because she is a woman and because she is African-American. Both make this very hard for her to go into the medical field um, as well as compete all the classes that she has to do in order to become a nurse or a doctor. Um, On top of this, we see that it's also very difficult because they are short on money, and due to the loss of a family member, they are gaining some money, although they might not put it towards Benita, just due to the um, unreality that she will be able to get ahead just due to the money, and do so because she is african-american and a woman Um, another key point is that race has been a fundamental fact in american society for centuries and many observe that racism has been a part of our history since the beginning these are distinct statements it is possible for the race to be a factor without racism being present but our history does not suggest this separation instead the united states has embodied a pretty deep version of racial awareness over the years extending back to the period of slavery and its aftermath that continues to embody behaviors attitudes and even the outcomes that are described as racist um i think another huge key point is that um that goes back to um the point in raisin in the sun when we see that the family finally has an idea of what to do with the money um and they put it towards buying a bigger and a nicer house which will ultimately help everybody in the family and it'll really make it easier for when um, the new baby comes along if they choose to have it but in the end um they came across another racism barrier they didn't think it would be a good idea to live in this house and a lot of people were so uncertain about it mainly because of the fact that they were all african-americans and um they would be living in a mostly dominant caucasian neighborhood where they felt like they would be at disarmed or they would feel 
that they were unsafe at times or just uncomfortable because of the color of their skin and their race. And I think that that is the biggest point um, in A Raisin in the Sun is that they would feel so uncomfortable living in an area just because of the color of their skin and because of what people around them made that out to be. So to conclude my section of the podcast, um, I just wanted to go back to a few of the key points that really show that um, although we've come so far to where we are now with minimal racism and segregation, it was a huge issue um, in history and especially shown by all the characters in the movie. Um, We see that people did go through a lot of things and we've come so far and I think that you really have to look back on those times and think of them in a positive way because now we're able to go out and we're able to feel comfortable and um, ultimately just safe wherever we go not because um, of who we are but just because the color of our skin Um, I think that we've come really far with that and I also think that it's important to look back on history so that something like this doesn't happen again and just so that everybody can continue to be anti-racism and accept everybody no matter what race or skin color they have. Um, I do think we've come a far way. Obviously racism is not at zero percent but it can only get better and I just think that beneath uh, is a strong component of how ra- how bad racism used to be as well as the whole family um, and showing how bad it used to be and how terrible people used to feel about um, different skin colors and how it made other people feel as far as being unsafe or you know having to work so much harder than others or not having the money for it and I think that that was what I got out of A Raisin in the Sun um, as a literary critic.